The opinions expressed in the following video are not in their entirety endorsed by this podcast. They are instead the focus of our discussion today. This is your content warning. Everybody wants to know, what denomination are you? What difference does it make what denomination I am? That's not what's getting me to heaven anyhow. I want to say to you, bunch of Baptists, looking at me with your lips pooched out. If the only thing you got to get you to heaven is the fact you've been baptized, you're going to hell when you die. Because salvation is not in a baptismal pool. You Pentecostals talking about speaking in tongues, if that's all you've got, you're going to go to hell when you die. Because faith in Jesus Christ is the only thing that justifies man in the sight of God. I don't care if you're a Catholic. You're a Catholic, bless God, and you can eat vanilla wafers from now to the day you die and get drunk with your priest. But I'm telling you, that'll never get you to heaven when you die. You can be a Presbyterian or a Methodist or a Lutheran and be sprinkled as a baby, but that'll never get you to heaven. Why do I want to jump you out of one denomination to another when all of them will send you straight to hell? We are not wrapped up in a denomination. Salvation is not in a, a creed or a system. It is in a person, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you miss that it is impossible to go to heaven when you die it's impossible salvation is in Jesus and Jesus alone so people say to me all the time I know some of you look about the television you're mad you're picking up the remote that's why you've never got help every time somebody tells you the truth you change channels put your remote down and relax I'm trying to help you so people ask me all the time why am I so hard against religion I can't stand it <laughs> Joshua, welcome back. Thanks, man. Good to see you. I don't know you. where you went, but welcome back. I don't, you know, it's it is what it is. We we were apart for a time, and yeah, and now we're not. And so I'm I'm excited. Um, I got to ask you a question though. You ready? I'm ready. Why do you hate religion? <laughs> That's a loaded question. It's a very loaded question, but it's one that hopefully we're going to dive into just a little bit, if for no other reason than he felt the need to ask it. Uh, but guys, welcome back to uh, your content warning podcast. This is the Bible Meets Culture podcast where we break down uh, the difference between biblical content and modern theology. We're really excited uh, to have this conversation and back with us, I guess for the second time now, uh, is our good buddy Landon Moore uh, just down the road at the Exchange Street Church of Christ. So Landon, welcome back, man. What's up? What's up, fellas? What's up, fellas? Nothing, nothing much yet. But I have a feeling we're gonna we're gonna get into it in in uh, in more ways than one. But uh, super excited about this one, Joshua. This was actually a video that was sent to you by uh, a, a a fan of the podcast. So break down uh, kind of the I, I guess what you perceive to be the the general theme or idea of this particular video and and what we kind of want to talk about today. Yeah. So I'll give a little backstory to how that video came to us. Um, the, the guy that sent it to me watches our podcast, but, um, he is a good friend of mine through the auction business among other things, you know? So that's, it's kind of interesting that this isn't someone that we go to church with. This isn't someone that we really have like a, that I have a spiritual background with. This is someone who I know through a different avenue of, of work. And, you know, the, the video is everybody, I guess, has already listened to or watched, uh, before the podcast is, is really, there's a lot that I think I agree with, and that may be shocking for some people to to hear. Uh, first, first of all, if you know how I tend to believe, but um, 
you know, I mean, I, I agree quite a lot with what he has to say, particularly about how religion, denominations, the, the structure as such will not save you. Sure. Uh, I think that's a pretty good point to make, and it's something I think a lot of Christians in all realms of, let's call it, Protestant Christianity are missing. Uh, that we have maybe not lifted up to the level it needs to faith in Christ and obedience to Christ, uh, that that we try to mark the Christian by the name on the church building. And I think there are huge problems with that, you know, and, and uh, I think you guys would agree with me on that. So we'll talk about it. Yeah, I'm excited to, to dive into it. Landon, I want to get your initial thoughts and I'm going to kind of lay out some of the things that I want to talk about with this particular podcast. But, uh, um, you know, it, it's a, I, I jokingly told Josh when we get ready to prepare for this because, uh, you know, he was like, I agree with a lot, which might surprise some people. Uh, and I think I would agree with a lot, which might uh, surprise some people. And I, I made the joke that Landon probably agrees with most of this, which probably surprises very few people. So uh, I'm curious to, to get your general thoughts on that as well. Um, I, I don't think any of us would would disagree that um, denominational structure is a plague on our houses. Um, and I think um, from an institutional standpoint, it's caused more pain and heartache and confusion um, than just about anything else. Maybe not on an individual level per se, but on a, on a well, who's right and who's not and, and where should I go and where shouldn't I go? Um, and not that those questions aren't important, but, you know, uh, there's, there's bound to be hundreds of churches with different names on their sign, all claiming to be better than the next or, or more right than the next. And, and the confusion that that causes, um, particularly in the unchurched community has, has, has got to be one annoying, mm-hmm. um, and, and frustrating, but, um, there is no way anybody can convince me that it does that it hasn't done significant harm to the progress of the kingdom of God in the world. Um, because you know when you, I mean, it's probably less of an issue with with younger generations now. They don't seem to to really give a crap as much about the name on a sign. Um, but I mean, how many older people in churches have you run into and go, well, I can't go there because they're wrong and, and Baptists are right and I have to be here and or whether that's with Church of Christ or Method, it doesn't particularly matter. You get entrenched in 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 an ideology attached to a name rather than a theology attached to a king. And put that and, on a t shirt. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, occasionally, you know, you shoot the gun and it hits the barn. Um, and we're not and shooting anybody for anybody that's freaking out at this exact moment, but yeah, no, no, just, <laughs> just inanimate objects. Um, and I, I think it's, 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 I think it's handicapped us beyond far beyond what we can actually comprehend. Um, and, and you wonder why so many communities, not just across this country, but across the world have such a deep distrust of churches. There are a lot of reasons for that. Sure. But I think part of the reason is, is, you know, there are churches in towns that are less than a block apart and 
they're all vying for everybody saying, well, we're better than the other one. And everybody's going, well, I'm just going to choose none because they all sound like petulant children. Sure. Um, so, <clears throat> I, I mean, I, I think the guy's spot on. I don't know what his, what the rest of his theology is, but. Sure. Um, yeah, but, I think that's a, I think that's an important distinction because we talk about this all the time. We're not, we're not uh, dissecting an entire sermon or an entire sermon series. We're dissecting, you know, a group of, a group of statements that, that carry a lot of weight and a lot of truth, um, regardless of, you know, what his theologies are. And we can get to that uh, kind of in the, the second half, what we're going to kind of discuss today, um, because, you know, I think none, as much as I think we'd all agree that there's a problem uh, with Christians rooting their identity in uh, in the name on the sign, uh, as opposed to the, the name that they supposedly wear, um, there is also, I think none of us would disagree that there is such a thing as right and wrong. Uh, and so, you know, that's that's got to be a conversation, not necessarily separate from this, but but uh, taken into consideration with this entire discussion as well. So uh, but what I wanted to do is I'm just going to kind of read you some 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 statements that he made. Uh, and I'm going to ask you guys to break down whether you agree or disagree and then elaborate with them uh, on just a few of these statements, because, like I said, this is something that uh, if you. If you're listening to this, you didn't get the uh, you didn't get the benefit of watching it. But uh, if you if you watching if you're watching this video now, you you saw in that video that somebody said uh, the little caption on top of the video said, uh, "Who let my pastor cook this morning?" Uh, because it was it, it was clear that that he had some stuff to say and he wasn't going to hold back while saying it. Uh, and there's a part of me that respected that from him just a little bit. Uh, now, granted. Uh, I'm not uh, I'm not about preachers grandstanding and, and pushing a, a load of nonsense, but uh, there's some truth in, in what's being said here. So I'm going to I'm going to let you guys start. Whoever wants to start, I'm going to give you the statement. I'm just going to agree, disagree and elaborate. Uh, th- this one was my personal favorite. Ready? So he asked, why would I want to jump you from one denomination to another uh, if every single one of them will send you to hell? Uh, so who agree, disagree and elaborate on what you like or dislike about that particular statement? Joshua, you go ahead. Okay. Um, (laughs) You know, I I think sometimes when we're in the pulpit and we get, especially when you have audience feedback, I don't know if you guys have ever had the privilege of preaching at congregations where you get audience feedback on a regular basis, but it does something to your spirit, boys. I mean, (laughs) it it really makes you want to, really makes you want to bring it. Um, and I kind of think that's what's going on here sure. uh, to some degree. Um, you know, I, I will, I will agree in some sense that I do not think denominations are God glorifying at all. Um, and the reason is because in scripture, there is one church It's the church that Christ came to establish. He tells Peter in Matthew 16 and verse 18 on this rock, I will build my church. There's one church, it's his church, and my view is that Scripture teaches you're either in it or you're not. And I, I, I'll say that I'll go on record. I've said this uh, here at Salem Creek before. There are those who may attend a building with the name on the sign that you know the three of us attend, who are not part of that church, and there may be others who attend somewhere with a different name on the sign. And I'm not at all you know, saying anything for like universal salvation or anything. But my example is like, what about the congregation in Africa that doesn't have a name at all? You know, what, what about them who are meeting in a hut and they don't have a sign that says Church of Christ or anything like that, but they're all Christians. 
You know, they're part of the church. They're part of Christ's body. Christ has one body, and I will agree with this gentleman that denominations are an attack on the body of Christ. The, the word denominate literally means to divide. Hmm. So Christ's body cannot be divided, 1 Corinthians 12. So to when, it, it always bothers me when people say, well, what denomination do you belong to? I'm like, well, th- there's one church and the, the body of Christ can't be divided. Right. So I, I guess if I have to agree or disagree, I'm going to agree that, you know, denominations are incredibly harmful. And we need to get out of this mindset of denomination this and denomination that and just ask a maybe a basic question. It's a complicated question, but it's a base question. Am I in the body of Christ or am I not? That's that's where I'll leave that. Let let Landon talk for a minute. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. I, I agree with him in principle. Um, I, I, what we've done over time, and by the way, this is what Catholics and Orthodox hate about Protestants, um, is, I mean, albeit they're split from each other too, but, um, there's, there's far more unity in those two pretty ancient traditions than there is in ours. And there are, there are nuances that, that are problematic. But um, I think what's set out to be an idea to create, to create structure and accountability with denominations um, based upon, I, I guess, specific theologies that one thought the other was erring on, which which I get and is not inherently a, a bad thing. Um, um, salvation became something less through the body and blood of Jesus Christ and through the presence of the Holy Spirit and more through an ideology represented through a name. And if you believe that, well, you know, I've been a faithful Baptist my whole life, therefore I am saved or I've been a faithful member of a church of Christ my whole life, therefore I am saved, or insert denomination here, therefore I am saved, um, then then really what it represents is far too many people put their faith in the wrong thing. Yes. They have substituted um, authority and power in their life for for an identity marker. Um, and the wrong identity marker that that's perfectly okay. If your identity marker is Christ himself. Um, but if, if, if your identity marker is the church I go to in Christ adjacent, then, then, then we've got a problem. So from that perspective, I think he's a hundred percent correct. You can't just say I'm a faithful Baptist and then, and then expect to confidently say, I'm, I'm a member of the kingdom. I'm, I'm, I'm a part of the body. Um, that doesn't necessarily make you a bad person. It doesn't necessarily mean that you don't know your Bible. Um, but what it but what it does tell me is that you don't actually know Jesus. Um, and and from that perspective, he's right. You, you you can't find salvation. The church doesn't bring salvation. It 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 spreads the message of it. And it's 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 the gateway to who can give it to you, but but the, the church is not capable of saving anybody. That that is Jesus's job and Jesus's job alone. 
Yeah. Well, the, to that um, point, Landon, the church is the result of salvation, right? It, it's, yeah, that too. There's there's salvation that brings you to being part of the body, part right. of the church. It's not the church and then salvation. So I think sometimes right. we put the cart before the horse. Just to your point. Right. Yeah. Good, well, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Landon. Sorry. Oh, well, I mean, I mean that, that that's exactly right. I, and you know, it's it's you know, with the exception of, you know, a handful of denominations, everybody practices baptism. But the interesting thing about the way they practice baptism is it's is it's it's less about uh, individual salvation to join a community to then promote the gospel of Christ as much as it is, well, you're getting baptized so you can join the denomination and then I guess you'll figure it out. Um, and but they still talk about it in salvation terms as if it's doing both jobs at once. But they and entrance into a church regardless um, really technically gives gets you nowhere unless um, regardless of the name of the side of the church you go to that that enters you into the body of Jesus Christ and without that you're you're kind of just warming a seat mm-hmm. sure so well so and so uh, I, I, I like what he says this is one of my favorite kind of snippets from him because I think it underlies, I think what he's doing is he's underlying a problem that has existed. It's maybe a modern problem and Joshua, the kind of the way that we think about it, because we've come to create church, quote unquote, we'll say, I'll say little C church in a sense of uh, using that as an evangelistic tool. Uh, like we want you to come to our church and then eventually, you know, maybe we'll get to the salvation part. Um, and we've we've missed, you know, that uh, the, the purpose of salvation in a lot of ways. But it's also as much of a modern issue as that may be, you know, trying to jump somebody from one denomination to another to another, you know, for, you know, I'm trying to convert you from, uh, you know, Baptist to Catholicism to, you know, whatever the case may be. Uh, it's also an ancient problem in the sense that it's it to me, it kind of strikes uh, similarly to having a, a legalistic problem. That if, if our goal is to jump somebody from one denomination to another, what we're doing is we're essentially switching one set of laws for another set of laws. Um, and, and if Christ is removed from that equation, uh, which I think is kind of what he's getting at here, right? Like if you're trying to switch your identity from from where I go to the next place I go and your identity is, is absent of Christ, then then really what you've done is you've missed the point of being a Christian to begin with. Um, and that's, I mean, that's a problem as, as far back as, I mean, the, the, the church of Galatia, you know, where they were arguing about, well, you know, you've got to, you know, yes, you're okay, but you also have to keep these certain laws as well. Uh, you know, yeah, you can be a New Testament Christian, but only as so much as you obey the law of Moses as well. Uh, and so there, there are those things that it, it has a hint of that to it. And to me, in, in my opinion, when I hear this, it's one of those deals where it's, uh, the, the principle uh, of the problem is there and it's the, the incorrect motivation, right? I'm not trying to, that's what, when I go uh, and strive to evangelize to people, I'm not trying to jump you from one denomination to another. I'm trying to introduce you to Christ and make sure that you're a part of his body. Um, you know, after that, you know, we can have conversations down the road about, you know, maybe what, what my worship should look like or what I'm comfortable doing and, and, you know, does it line up with, with what God expects of me? But I think we need to ask ourselves that in every facet of life. You know, I think we tend to relate to that um, in sense of, you know, I've said for a long time that the, the denominational sign 
really is more of an indicator of what the Sunday morning worship is going to look like as opposed to maybe what people believe. Um, because there, there are people in every single church building, regardless of sign on the front, there's people in every single church building that could not tell you why they're there. Uh, and there's people in every single church building that could tell you exactly why they're there and why they're doing what they're doing. And I think trying to differentiate the two and find those people who are outside of the body and bring them into the body, I think that's what you're striving to do. And I think that's what the, the Christian is called to do, um, is to seek those outside of the body of Christ and bring them uh to, to understand better uh, and to try to help them become part of that body of Christ. Uh, so when it comes to jumping one person from one denomination to another, you know, like I said, I, I agree with him in as much as you all do in the sense that that's not the point. Uh, it's never been the point. Uh, and so I think that's a, I think that's a, an ancient as well as a uh, current problem that we have in the way we view uh for lack of a better term, the way we view the different denominations that exist today, uh, you know, and and how combative we all tend to be, even with inside, if you want to say, with inside the same denomination. Uh, you know, we've all seen places where, because in some regards, you can take this even further, and, and you're trying to jump in from one congregation to another, because how many of us have seen places where, uh, you know, First Baptist and Liberty Baptist and uh, Crescent Hill Baptist and Ravenwood Baptist all are within five miles of one another, but they all can't stand one another. You know, it's it's that type of ordeal, uh, which, you know. When we have people come to Salem Creek from other congregations of Churches of Christ, yeah. we we try to talk to all of our visitors, figure out, are you looking for a church home? Are you looking to study? You know, did you move to the area and are looking for a place to worship? I mean, we, we don't belabor people with information like that. But, you know, we, we want to be able to help however we can. And uh, sometimes people will say, you know, well, y'all meet at nine and little Jimmy has a soccer tournament. And so we could come and worship and then go to the soccer tournament. And that was convenient for us. And, you know, but we go here, we're faithful members here. And I, I tell them, I am not in the business of sheep stealing. You know, I, and I think a lot of congregations, and I'll just speak for Churches of Christ, and I think it's true for everybody, but a lot of congregations want to grow in number by getting their members from other already established congregations. And when you do that, you're not really growing the body of Christ. You might be growing your congregational numbers, but you're not growing the body of Christ. And we have got to be more missional in our thinking about reaching the lost rather than reaching the already saved. I mean, Christ came to seek and save the lost, right? So that's what I think that's what we need to do. But to your point, Nathan, about, um, you know, we, we need to be introducing people to Jesus and not so much, you know, later on down the line, we can talk about some of these differences that we have, or does this match up with scripture, I think would be the better way to, to view it. I'll just share a quick story, just really quick. I was in a Bible study a few years ago, and the person I was studying with was not a member of the Lord's church. And uh, she was a member of a denomination and we sat down to have our first study and she said, okay, well, let's talk about instrumental music. I said, hang on now. I think you're going to find you and I agree on a whole lot more than what we disagree on. And so I said, do you believe that God created the world? I said, yes. I said, do you believe that God chose Israel to be his, you know, to be his people? in the old Testament. 
Yes. Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Yes. Do you believe the Bible is the inspired Word of God? Yes. Like, well, right there, we've got a great foundation on which to build where we agree 100%. And here I was worried about me getting a phone call. I'm waiting for the secretary to grab it. Get it, get it, get it. Go, Lisa, go, Lisa. Okay. But but no, and just I bring that up because it seems to me from the tradition that the three of us are in, we like to fight a lot about the differences. And I, I will say that I will die on this hill. You will never argue somebody into heaven. Nope. It's not going to happen. But what you can do is reason from the word of God and it's a whole lot easier to do that when you start with what you have in common. Absolutely. Uh, so, Lena, I'm going to let you start on this one, Lena, because you you alluded to this. This is the second quote from the thing that I, I really, really loved. So he makes this comment. Salvation is not in a creed or a system. It is in a person. Uh, agree, disagree, or uh, you can elaborate on that. I don't, uh, I don't he's, feel like there's going to be much disagreement here, but I'll, I'll let you try if you really want. <laughs> no, he's 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 100% correct. Um that, that doesn't negate the importance of, of one, um, I, I think uh, a common misconception amongst um, a lot of people in our tradition is that salvation comes through the word. And when I say word, I'm not necessarily talking about Jesus, which is how the New Testament describes Jesus as the living word. But they think that salvation is, is found and flows through scripture. Um, it, it is found there, but. The Bible does not save you. Jesus saves you. And I think I think the New Testament is pretty clear on that. Um, and so, you know, we like our we like our historical statements of um, no creed but the Bible. Um, and that's perfectly fine. I don't have an inherent problem with that. But what you do is you um, inadvertently and, and I think all of us growing up in this tradition um, have seen where. Um, we take something that is divinely given, but we elevate it to a place it's not supposed to be. And therefore, we think our salvation flows from that thing. And we forget what this guy said that, listen, the Bible is 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 the only authoritative creedal statement on the planet um, in terms of, of faith in Jesus Christ. But it's it's not what saves you. Um, and that's where, at least for our I can't speak for any other one, really, but I can speak for our own. That's where. um that's where this should probably touch us is, is we've replaced Jesus with, with the word. Um, and so he's right. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that some um, extra biblical creedal statements aren't valuable because some of them are the apostles creed is, is, is completely biblical and, and, and truthful. There's nothing in that that's wrong, but I'm not saved because I recite the apostles creed every day. Um, and so I, there has to come a point where, where we have enough self-awareness to look at ourselves and, and go, what is my faith actually in? Where, 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 what am I, what am I actually choosing to be faithful and obedient to? Um, and, and I think what's happened and what he's alluding to is, is for far too long, people have chosen to be faithful to denominational identity. They've chosen to be obedient, um, 
to the church they've called home for some or all of their life, um, rather than than he who is to be head of of that church, regardless of the name on the sign. And 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 really, what he's getting at is is because of that, because it's. I tell you what it is. It's it's the Israelites and the golden calf. It's 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 breaking the first and second commandments. It's 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 elevating something either equal to or greater than God, and then replacing God by name with that with a denomination. It's it's the same thing that the Israelites did at the base of Sinai when Moses was up doing all the work. Um, now, granted, he came down and act, you know acted like a petulant child, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Um, it's it's the same problem, and the Israelites did the exact same thing that that we see happening in the church today over and over again, just like we consistently do the same thing. They 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 want to put their faith and their trust and their hope in something they can touch and see and feel, and creedal statements and denominational identities and being able to say, "I go to that church." Look at the name on the sign. That's that's part of who I am. Gives them a, a sense of comfort. And a sense of security. It's false, but it, it's what it gives them. And so that's where their faith lies. That's where their hope lies. That's where their confidence lies. And it's a lot harder to look at yourself and go, actually, my hope is in the God that I cannot see, the God that I cannot touch, the God that I cannot feel, the God that is that is inherently non-tangible. But being a Baptist is tangible. Being a Methodist is tangible. So I'm going to go... And I'm just going to hope that putting my faith in, in the part of my identity identity that I can see and touch, it's almost like they're saying, well, I'm, I'm going to hope that that's good enough. When really, it almost, it, well, not almost, it never will be good enough. Um, and and so I agree with him. And I, th- I think that that's where he's going by saying that. Now, I could be wrong. I could be off. But it sounds to me. That that's that's what he's trying to say is that our our hope and our confidence and our faith and our willingness to be obedient um, come comes from a false sense of security in the things that we can see and touch rather in the power that we can't see and we can't touch that actually gives us life and hope and and salvation and a hope of uh, of eternity with with the Creator. So I, I I think he's right. Joshua, go for it. I think he's. I think he's right. I agree with Landon. I agree with, I think, everything Landon said. Um, if I'm being critical, there might be some things that I would pick up on his notion. You know, For example, he, he says pretty plainly, I think it's the first thing that he says and the things that won't save you, is he says the baptismal pool won't save you. Well, let's, let's address that real quick. First of all, he's right insofar yes. as – if you, I deal with this all the time. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and then people want to fuss because somebody wants to be rebaptized. Like, well, if you did not believe, or if you did not repent, or if you did not, you know, have your spiritual self situated to where it needed to be when you were baptized as the thirteen-year-old kid or whatever it was, all you did, honey, was get wet. Like. There's nothing inherently spiritual or mystical about the water. However, in order to receive the covering and saving blood of Jesus by means of how the New Testament says to to come in contact with that and to have that blood 
cleanse you from your sin, baptism is certainly necessary. And so I think sometimes what we do, and this is my big pet peeve with like the five steps of salvation. There are There is no such thing as a five steps of salvation. Preach it. I mean, there's either you're saved or you ain't. You either have them or you don't. Right. So if I'm baptized and not willing to repent, something's off. Right. Or if, and I mean, if I repent without hearing the word, which I don't know how you do that, but I mean, something's off. Right. So you're really special, really, really special. Yeah, right. Really special. But something's yeah. off. So I agree in that everything we teach about salvation must be rooted in Christ. A hundred percent that it's got to be. Uh, to to Landon's point, you know, talking about, you know, what what really saves us, and obviously we believe the blood of Jesus is what does that. I mean, that's what Ananias tells Paul, Acts sixteen um, or Acts twenty two sixteen, and my thing, I, I study as you all do because I mean, I think all of us have worked at some point in our career, y'all more than me, but uh, in dealing with youth ministry and and counseling and ministering to to young people, teenagers and, and younger. Let's say you have somebody who comes in who's a, a teenager or maybe 12, 13 years old, something like that, and they want to be baptized. Well, what happens? First thing that happens is the parents come in your office and say, hey, little Susie wants to be baptized, but we just don't think she's ready. I'm like, okay, well, in your opinion, what would make someone ready for baptism? They're like, well, I just don't think they're mature enough. I just don't think they know enough about the Bible. Like, well, what do you have to know to be baptized? What do you have to know to be saved? Yeah, I know that you're a sinner, that Jesus is a Savior, and that His blood makes you right with God. Those are the three things you have to know. And just like uh, the, the author of Hebrews says and Paul says, there's the milk of the Word and the meat of the Word. And you better believe that baptized people were drinking milk of the Word just like they were eating the meat of the word, right? So things like that just really, really bother me about like, well, what do I need to be saved or how much do I need to know or should I? And people think they already have to have their life in order. That's not that's not a prerequisite for salvation. Salvation gets your life in order, right? So all of that to say, he is absolutely right. Faith is crucial. Faith is absolutely crucial. If you got baptized without having faith, you got wet. Right. So that's crucial. I agree totally that there should be no creed but Jesus. Um, I, I do. Th I think that, that has become a creed in our tradition. You know, uh, no, no creed but the Bible alone has kind of become a creed. But uh, I agree with Landon, you know, historically, I mean, the, the creeds have a lot to offer. And a lot of what we believe about theology comes from the creed, whether we want to believe it or not. So, uh, yeah, I. I'm with him insofar as everything that we do has to be rooted in the, the work of Christ and salvation. I think, I mean, how many people, how many people on a Sunday morning take communion and don't have a clue what it represents or don't take seriously what it represents? You know, I mean, there's more issues here than, than just For that. Sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, and, and so that was, you know, my initial thoughts on it were kind of we're all very very similar in as in as much as creeds are one of those weird things as 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 much good can kind of come out of them 
Um, and maybe this is just my misunderstanding of them, but it always felt uh, when, when I had uh, creeds explained to me, uh, you know, well, you know, if you say this, it'll help with that. If you, you know, say these things, it always felt more cop out seems like a harsh word, but it almost felt like a cop out. Like, Hey, if you just recite these things as opposed to actually doing anything about it, uh, it's, it's good. Um, the the whole uh, no creed but but Jesus alone type deal, which Landon kind of reiterating back to, to Landon's point, I don't know how many times I've heard preachers say, you know, that it's the, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, not the Father, the Son, and the Holy Scriptures. Uh, and we, we tend to try to elevate the Word of God beyond what it should be at times. Uh, not that there's not inherent importance in the Word of God, uh, you know, as, as Christ is described as the Word. Uh, who took on flesh, and so uh, I think that there's there's absolutely the importance there. Um, but I, I think anytime you take something uh, that that man is ordained as important and place it above uh, Christ, is you're you're making a massive misstep. Uh, and and I, I don't know of a tradition out there that does not do that. Um, that does not take a, a man-instituted tradition of some sort, whether it is, you know, the, the, the not loincloth, but like the, uh, the doily on the communion table versus, uh, you know, the, the color of the carpet, whatever. Um, I think it kind of all roots itself back into, is your identity in a creed or a person? Um, is your identity in, uh, and again, this, this one, it gets a little bit dicier, but is, is your identity in, in Jesus or a specific verse of the Bible? Um, and don't get me wrong. Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. There's a difference between rooting your identity in a passage and finding a, a scripture that, that brings motivation to your life. There's, there's a difference there. Um, rooting your identity in something is different than having motivation from something. Although I think we could all, all, all argue that uh, with Jesus, it would be it would be both and not either or. Right. I mean, Jesus is what motivates us to do what we do as well as who we find our identity in. Um, and so I just thought that was a, a, a good kind of quote from him. Um, and I think people miss that from time to time. And the the uh, at least the observed problem in our specific tradition, I think, kind of relays back to a problem that I mentioned at the beginning. And in, in, in as much as I think it's a little bit. Uh, I think it's a, a legalistic mindset um, in the sense of with creeds specifically, you know, if I if I do all of the right things, then I'm OK. Um, and, and, you know, I've 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 gone on record many times talking about how it's a, it's a really disheartening uh, experience when you talk with somebody. Uh, and maybe they're in their 80s or 90s uh, and they say, you know, I just hope I've done enough. Uh, to, to, you know, go to heaven, to, to have my salvation. And I'm like, you know, you, you can't really like there, you, as ministers, we all kind of understand that there are moments where, you know, you can kind of correct bad theology. And then there are moments where it's just, you just kind of leave it alone. Um, but it, you can't, you, you can't do enough. Um, and so this trying to find salvation in a creed or a system it is kind of like, okay, what do I need to do? You know, tell me what to do and I'll do it. Uh, and, and I don't think that's a, a relational enough approach to, to what salvation is and, and the way that we're supposed to live as Christians. It's in a person, right? And so I, I agree with, with you know, just about everything that you guys said. Um, Let me say one thing, Nathan. I, I think some yeah, of our yeah. listeners might be 
hearing something that we're not saying, particularly about Scripture. Um, the, we're going through church history right now in our Wednesday night um, Bible class here at Salem Creek. And, you know, there was a time when people had to figure out what Scripture we were going to use and what other Scripture, call it, I'll put it in air quotes, Scriptures, were being circulated but weren't inspired, let's say, um, like some of the Gnostic Gospels, for example. Their standard for that, above anything else, was the teachings of Jesus. So, for example, the Gospel of Thomas, the the last saying in the Gospel of Thomas, saying (laughs) is about... uh, Peter, it is. It's it's Peter asking <laughs> Jesus for, to make Mary a man because uh, so, you can't be saved unless you're a man. <laughs> right, right, exactly. So, oh, beautiful. Well, I mean, it's pretty easy to understand why that might have been rejected, right? It's not <laughs> anything like what Jesus would have said. Uh, so, my point with all this is, we are to our listeners, we're not undermining the validity or inspiration or importance of scripture at all. Okay. But it is important as we read scripture to see Christ in scripture, to see authority of scripture, but scripture only has authority because of who its author is. Sure. Right. That's a, I think, I think that's, that's a distinction. A, to yeah. make. Well, and I think that's a good point too, Joshua, but I, because I think what we see more so even today is we take it, to the extreme, the other way um, that we we said, and not to derail us too far from the conversation, but I don't want people to make the mistake either of thinking that uh, the, the Bible is is unimportant in in as far as what it contains in relation to the words of Christ. Because um, I don't I don't know about the two of you specifically, but I've I've talked with several people who uh, would be more than happy to disregard the words of Paul, despite being found in Scripture, because they believe they don't match the words of Jesus. Uh, and so I think that there's a there's a tendency to pick and choose Scripture as a whole. Uh, and I think the, to reiterate the importance of Scripture in its totality is, is you know, we don't want to misstep there at all. Um, another quote, real quick. We're going to do another quote, and then I'll get to maybe some of the problems that I have with the particular video. The last one that I thought was, was really fitting, uh, just because if you're— uh, if if you happen to know what we're doing here at Troy, our our theme for the year is to seek truth. Uh, that's what we're doing uh, here at our congregation. And so, he uh, this one made me chuckle. He said, "This is this is why you're getting mad. He said, this is why you can't. This is why nobody can help you because every time somebody tells you the truth, this is the quote. Every time somebody tells you the truth, you change the channel. Uh, and I think that that's a I think that's a big problem um, in in our culture today. Is anytime we try to approach somebody with the truth. Uh, it's like, no, that's okay. That's, that's your truth. That's not my truth. You know, we'll just, uh, and not to, you know, shameless self plug here. The, the last episode that, that Joshua and I did, we had a whole conversation about agreeing to disagree and where that is and isn't acceptable to do. But, uh, you know, I, I, I got a big kick out of that one. Cause he was, I, I assume, I, I assume that based on the context of the video that he was either, that was a live stream or recording or something. He was telling people, Hey, don't touch the remote because you're getting mad now that I'm talking about your denomination and you're about to change the channel. That's why nobody will help. That's why you can't get help. Cause every time somebody tries to tell you the truth, you change the channel. Uh, and so that's, I think it's a, I, I agree with that statement completely. I think it's a big problem today that anytime uh, we try to approach people with the truth now, even though we're seeking truth and even though, uh, he, you know, here at Troy, we're going to talk a lot about uh, taking that truth to people. 
Uh, I don't want us to get so far removed into a, a realm where we think we have, uh, just because we have the truth, we have the right to, to share it however we see fit. Um, you know, the scripture puts uh, parameters around how the gospel is to be shared and, and what uh, and, and what uh, motivation we do that with. But um, truth is something that, that, you know, despite our post postmodern culture, uh, truth is something that I think we all would fully believe to be uh, uh, absolute and universal uh, and able to find uh, in, 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 in ways. So, um I'll let you guys quickly, if you want to agree or disagree with that particular statement, and then we'll jump into maybe a couple of the problems that I have as we kind of work on our time here. But go ahead and if you guys, I, like I said, I thought that one was funny. I threw that in as a bonus. Uh, I, I mean, the adversarial nature of it is, is really quite funny. I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, me? Who, who, who would have ever guessed that? Um, but he's right, and... And I think one of the reasons that maybe he gets, I mean, he's adversarial the entire clip, but, and, and sometimes that's necessary and I get it. Um, but he, he, he kind of ticks it up a little bit of a notch when he, when he gets to that part. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he does that because I, this has probably always been true throughout the entirety of human history to some degree, but, but, Culture has swung so far in a direction today that that truth um, is incapable of being absolute and can only be malleable, um, which which means that even it, it's it's gotten to the point where it's difficult as as people who who believe that Jesus is an absolute truth and that his that his kingdom is an absolute truth and that his gospel is an absolute truth. Um, it's it's becoming more and more difficult to communicate that to a, to a culture that says, well, if I just decide that it's not truth, then it isn't. Um, and, and I think part of what he was, I, th I think he was pretty intentionally trying to attack that by basically saying, listen, I'm, 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 I'm giving you truth right now, but because you don't want to accept it as truth, you're going to change the channel and you're not going to listen because that seems to be the way that culture goes. But I think what he was also hitting at is that that, that that nasty parasite that exists in culture has leaked its way into our churches where where if if it's if it's something you're willing to say is truth but it but it makes you just a tad bit uncomfortable um even even christians today are are willing to take the chance of ignoring it uh because they don't want to deal with it or because they don't like it um and i i i think he's right um, and you know, I think all of us wish that we could be that pointed with our people sometimes. Um, but you know, I, he's, he's obviously in a different, a different setup, which gives him a little more leeway to, to be yeah. that way. And, and that's when you're, when you have to, I say, I say not to, not to make a joke and have people assume that we, we only preach for job security, but there are some liberties that you're willing to take. Uh, and, and I, let me say, I have witnessed people who are willing to take liberties when they know they don't have to come back the next week. Um, I don't personally attest to that just for clarification's sake, but I think we've all seen people who, uh, who, who take a little bit of leeway because they don't have to come back. I mean, we can't say that there's not a little bit of, 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 of freedom and in, in speaking somewhere where the, the elders in the congregation aren't yours and you just get to go back to yours. Um, I, 
There just is, because what are they going to do? Get ticked off at you? That's okay. I, I love you guys too, but I'm going to go home now. Um, but I, I, as much as the idea of denominations themselves are a plague, and they are, and they always have been, and I could, and I'm, they technically always existed, but I think Martin Luther made them popular. Um, or at least he kickstarted this whole thing of everybody deciding they can separate off. Now he probably would have been ticked off that they named his particular one after him, but, but still him and Calvin and a few of those guys kind of kickstarted this whole disaster. Um, but that's all bad. And it's in, and, and the way it's fleshed out has not been good. Um, but the church's unwillingness over time to not stand on that, which is absolutely true, whether it makes people uncomfortable or not, whether it puts them in a place where they don't like what they see when they look in the mirror or not, um, has, has, uh, has probably crippled us just as much, if not more, um, because, and, Listen, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but I think we could all agree in the Western church. Uh, there's one thing, if there's anything that may be more important to the Western church than Jesus himself, is making sure that not too many toes are stepped on and people don't get too uncomfortable. Um, and, 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 and we think that's just an issue with, with preference, but really what it is, is an issue with, with inability to, to wrestle and wrangle with the truth. Um, and, and he's right. People hear a truth they don't like, um, they go shop for another truth somewhere else. Um, and, and I, I have yet to figure out maybe, maybe getting in a pulpit and, and being really aggressive and adversarial about it, it adversarial about it is a, is a way to stem that tide. I, I don't necessarily think so, but I mean, it's, it, it was his way of doing it and that's yeah, cool, well, and I but think I haven't figured out how to, how to, how to do it. And I don't know if yeah, anybody else and has I, either. And I, I think the point that he's trying to make with that particular comment is, is you're right, Landon. I think that culture always deems, always tends to try to travel to find what is most comfortable to them. Uh, and the problem with that is, is if you, uh, if you're okay at a place until you hear a truth you don't like, and then you go look for another truth that fits your life, um, what's your faith in? What's your salvation tied to? Uh, I would argue that there is none. So Josh, you got any comments on that before we, before we jump into maybe? Yeah, what, uh, I'll give, yeah, go for it. I'll just give one quick one. When I first started preaching full time, I was scared to death every time I preached because somebody, this is not a knock against my congregation. I love my congregation. And to be honest, the people who gave me trouble aren't here anymore. Um, but I was scared to death because we had about two or three members who every Sunday, it didn't matter if I preached Jesus died on the cross at Calvary, they would say he was shot at Bunker Hill. I mean, they, they <laughs> always had something to say about my sermon. And it's, it, it scared me to death. But I finally came to the realization as a preacher that if I have spent the hours necessary in study, if I spent the hours necessary in prayer, if I know what I'm saying and why I'm saying it, if somebody wants to come and fight me over it, let's go. Because you will be wrong. You can't you will not outstudy me on a sermon that I'm about to preach. That's the and I'm not trying to say that to be arrogant. I'm just saying that's the mentality that I have when it comes to my sermons. So, you know, talking about like, well, if you don't like it and you know, don't don't reach for the remote, don't change the channel. 
Like, well, my my philosophy is if you don't like it or if you get mad about it or if you have some some question or, or problem, let's talk. Absolutely. Let's talk to me. Now, I'm not above yeah. being wrong. I've been yeah. wrong. Well, that's the thing. I, right. I don't, I if don't I'm, know. I'm going to be wrong. It's not going to be for lack of trying to sure. be right. Sure. Um, and, and to that point, Joshua, I don't know a preacher worth his salt. And that's a that's a big clarification on that. I don't know a preacher worth it that doesn't have that mentality. Sure. Um, that that doesn't that won't willingly open and say, look, if you have a problem with what I've said or why I've said it, come talk to me. And we will we'll absolutely hash that out. I think any preacher worth anything has that mentality. And so uh, a lot of great stuff in this video that he's talked about and a lot of clarification that I think we can make from it. But I do want to, for fear of, of maybe not over-clarifying some stuff, I want to be sure that we, we leave with a, with a big idea in mind. And so the big problem that I had with the video, uh, the reason that I think it's important to talk about this sort of thing is because he doesn't say it verbatim. He doesn't get to it objectively. But there is this underlying hint and feel that if you're not careful – you could allude to the idea that that what we say and do doesn't matter, right? That where we worship and the things that we are about don't matter. Um, as long as, you know, and again, kind of alluding back, Joshua, to our agree or disagree thing with our culture right now, our current climate, it's really popular to go, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Yeah, I believe in Jesus. Good, me too. Let's just leave it at that. But the fact of the matter is what we say and do matters, uh, and, and so I want I want you guys to if you want to clarify that statement a little bit more than what I've said, you can. But I want you to talk about what we say and, and do it, why it matters. Um, and, and by I guess the follow up to that is if what we say and what we do matters. And I think we would all agree with that, that what we say and what we do matters. By what standard do we say and do? Because I think that's the point that he's trying to make. I think the whole video leads up to this. The name on the sign is not why you say and do. So by what standard do we do those things? Yeah, well, I, I think that there is a time and place to have the difficult conversations. So like we were talking earlier about meeting people where they are with, with the things we have in common. I still stand by that, obviously. But there there is a time when we have to look and say, okay, well, you know, here are the differences that we have theolo- uh, theologically and let's use an interpretive system that benefits both of us to look at what Scripture has to say about those, and then let's come to let Scripture speak and us be submissive to it because Scripture's from God. Mm-hmm. I think there's a time for that. I think that comes later in the relational and evangelistic system, but there, there's a time and place for it. Mm-hmm. Um, by what standard do we measure? Well, I think... I think there are two in particular, and one is Christ and the other is Scripture. I, again, I don't want to make the mistake of separating those in the sense mm-hmm. that you know one that you can't have one without, or that you can have one without the other. Um, sure. I think it's a a mistake for us to think that you can have Christ without Scripture, or you can have Scripture without Christ. Both of those are have to go together. Um, but my my life needs to measure up to His. I was. I was in a, for some unknown, ungodly reason, I decided to get TikTok. And I put a little video out and some dude was like wanting to fight me on that thing because everybody's a 
everybody's bad in the comments, you know. And he was he was talking about, uh, you know, so you're you're claiming to be like some huge authority on something that you don't know nothing about, which I'm not claiming to be an authority, but I knew what I was talking about in that particular video, and um, I said, well, you know, I I compare myself to to others and. Paul says, be an imitator of me as I am of Christ. And this guy said, oh, so now you're comparing yourself to Paul. I'm like, yeah, 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 I do. Yeah. Yeah. Doing exactly what he told me to do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) So, but my point with all that is, you know, there there is a a need to compare ourselves and what we, what we believe and what we know to inspired scripture, to Jesus. That has to be the measuring stick for which we live. And uh, there are systems of belief, systems of theology that don't measure up, that don't match up. And, you know, to to bring up the names that have already been dropped, that was Martin Luther's problem. There were things being promoted, particularly with indulgences, that Scripture did not uphold, right? And so you have an option there. You can either do what Scripture says or you can not. And if we are truly devoted to Christ, which I think all of our listeners and three of us would be, then we're called to do what Scripture says. So I'll leave it at that. Um, I'll tell you what it's become. It, it's it's theological discourse to, to the lowest common denominator. And... Um, I, I totally understand the whole, do you believe in Jesus? Cool. I do too. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking that. Yeah. But, but what I am saying is that the simplicity of the gospel is remarkably complex. Put that and, on a t-shirt. And, and, and it's in its complexities where you find its beauty. It's, it's, and I look, I, I get that that speaking things in easy to understand terms is important, and it matters. I teach teens; I get it. Um, um, but I don't know why we decided at some point that that we can just say, "Oh, you believe in Jesus? I believe in Jesus too. Cool," and then leave it. Yeah. Um. I, the authority you're basing that off of is, is, is a cultural standard, which says, well, they may not be smart enough to, or it's too complex to, or whatever. Complexity is not a vice. Um, complexity makes things, yeah, it makes things complex, but it, but it also makes things beautiful and, 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 and interesting and, and, and worth your time. And, I, th- I think, um, and, and I don't, I think a lot of guys in our tradition would never admit this, but we've fallen into the same trap where from our pulpits and in our classes, um, in our, in our Bible classes, and even in the way that we, we speak to the unchurched and, and, and we've, we've, we've lowered the level of theological discourse so much where we actually don't know how to say who Jesus is and and what he's about and and what it means to be a member of his body and what his church is and and what the sacraments are and why we partake of the ones that we do and the ones that we don't and why they matter and what they do for your life spiritually and physically and we 
We don't know how to do that anymore. And so we have this theologically illiterate population of Christians who get upset if you speak over their heads. And then we wonder why we, we, we don't have churches that, that have a maturity level where they can where they can deal with things that are actually spiritual meat instead of milk. And 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 I think that that it's that it's 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 hurt our, our witness to the world. Listen, let me tell you something. I don't, I don't see, um, particularly in, in Catholic traditions and in Orthodox tradi- traditions, them catering to the lowest common denominator for theological issues. I don't see them doing it. They, they, they have no problem explaining the, the things that make them them, even if it's in a complex way even if it's in a way that's mysterious and a little bit mystical and hard to wrap your hands around and your head around and your heart around, but they know who they are. They know why they are who they are. And they're perfectly willing to lay that out on a table for anybody who asks, even if they don't get it the first, second, third or 50th time. Um, They're willing to talk through it. They're willing to have that conversation. Now, uh, Josh was right. Um, those conversations are much harder to have with a stranger than they are with somebody who you know and you've developed a relationship with. And evangelism has to start with relationship. And if you have to start simple to build something to where you can get to the complex, that's perfectly acceptable. In fact, I think it's biblical. Um, but we've got to stop treating our people as if they're dumb. We've got to stop talking to them as if they're five years old. And I, I don't think a lot of these, and, and I'll be honest, I think a lot of these problems that we've talked about, whether it's denominational identity, whether it's 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 anything, has come because we've we've watered down the 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 communication of the gospel so much to where it has really no bearing or no meaning on the life of people who hear it, and and it's because we've taken the complexity that exists with it. Listen, I'm not saying the gospel, the gospel is, is simple. It is by foundationally, the gospel is simple. You choose Jesus. Jesus has already chosen you. You get into the waters of baptism. Something miraculous happens. You die, you come back up and you live by the power of the Holy spirit that dwells within you. And you go out and you bring about the kingdom in places of the world where it's not, or where it's not evident. That's that's simple, but why do we stop there? And it and it's and it's and it's, that's the easy part, right? Because that's the easy part, and it's yeah. and it's and let's and, and I think and I think this matters to me a lot because I teach teens. Um, and the thing that I have learned um, is that our teens, our young people, are begging us to dive a little bit deeper. They are begging us for substance. They are begging us to teach them the beauties and the intricacies and the complexity of the gospel because their parents don't know it and they're not getting it from them and they don't want to be treated as stupid. They want the critical the critical questions, the things that make them think. And 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 we've we've and, and this is going to sound harsh. We've created a gener- well, probably a couple or three generations of theological idiots. Oh yeah, 
I agree. We just but, have. Well, I, I teach adults, Landon. I mean, I, I teach adults yeah. on Sunday morning God, and on Wednesday God bless night. You. And, well, God bless you for dealing with the teens. <laughs> God did not design my pea brain to deal with youth. But uh, I, I teach adults, and I, I teach a couple of college classes for in biblical studies. And when I, when I got, took on the role of teaching the Wednesday night auditorium class, we have people who are in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s who when I do a verse-by-verse study of Genesis are clueless. And it's not a knock against them. It's they haven't been taught. And that's, I mean, it, it all comes down to that. You know, if we, we're going to have to start teaching better. hundred percent. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like when, when, um, when a, in adult classes, I've only probably taught an adult class I don't know, four or five times. It's just the, the nature of doing youth ministry. You don't get to do it that often. Um, and um, I can tell you about, you know, because I teach teens, I have no fear of asking questions that make you think. Because you can with teens, and they'll walk through it. If they trust you enough, they'll walk through it. Um, well, you know, you make that mistake two or three times with adults, and you you don't do it again with them. Because they don't um, walk through it, right? They because, find, because, they find well, their little garden path off to the side, and they yeah, yeah, because, <laughs> because 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 there's like there's like this big freaking brick wall that they're willing to critically think up to a point, yeah, and then when they feel like everything they know and everything they've ever believed could possibly be threatened, they will they will turn around on the other side of the wall, get on the ramparts, and start shooting. Sure, like and and the beauty about teens is they won't do that. They they would they would just go with you, and it's 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 really quite fun. Um, but I, it's like when somebody says, "Can you know? Let's do a study on Job." Only possibly the most one of the most complex stories of the Old Testament. Um, why would you get a study book and just go class by class to the study book and then go to the next part, go to the next part, go to the next part with something like Job? Why would you do that? Job asks you some significantly complex questions, things you have to wrestle with. Why would you just sure. do something basic with? And we're killing ourselves, and we're killing our witness, and we're killing our testimony to the world because because we've created generations of people who don't want to think. Yeah, and that's a that, that's a problem regardless of the the name on the sign out front. Oh, yeah. I think that's kind of what the, the whole video was kind of pointing to. It doesn't matter what the name on the sign out front is, is we've got to to go back to it, uh, which is kind of the, the way I wanted to really wrap this this video up. Right. Uh, you know, we, we can all acknowledge what we say and what we do matters. And there's a standard by which uh, that we can measure the things that we say and what we do. And so if, if this is a problem across the board, if, if what we say and what we do matters, the the next nat- logical question, I'm not, we're not going to spend a lot of time on this. It's just for the listener to think about the next logical question becomes, you know, Hey, where, okay. So where, where am I supposed to worship? Where, where do I decide to go? And, and my answer briefly would be uh, kind of what you guys have said, go somewhere where the word is taught critically, uh, test the things that you see in the way that worship is, is handled in the way that the scripture is taught in the uh, theology that that's being presented. And does it line up with what the word of God says? Um, I think that's how we decide to do what we do and to say what we say, uh, because our faith is not built on the, the sign. Uh, our, our faith is built on a, a person. 
uh, and we're supposed to to carry his word to all those who need it. Uh, and so, um, guys, I want I just want to thank you so much for for being a, a part of this. You know, a little bit longer than normal, but I think that in a conversation like this, that's probably a good thing. Uh, you know, to be able to to relate to and and talk with people. Um, I think there's such a fear of having a conversation with uh, uh, those of a different quote unquote denomination that uh, we just tend to mind our own business and and just uh, go along to, you know, go along to get along type deal. Um, when there are questions that, I mean, quite frankly, it's just fun to answer. Uh, whether you're going to, you know, whether you start with different, you know, opinions to begin with, uh, I think people miss how fun it is just to dive in and, and look. Uh, we just kind of want to keep our own to our own. And I think there's a, a huge misstep in that. But Joshua Landon, any, anything else you want to throw in there? Uh, so I end every single one of my classes with uh, questions, comments, hopes, dreams, dances, or emotional outbursts. By all means, this is this is your time for it. So, Shameless plug. At the end of my book, After the Water Dries, there's a section in the appendix about how to choose a congregation. Hey, so, uh-huh. I've got that one, by the way. I've updated so. it. I need to get you an updated version. You should. How dare you update it without telling me? I'll give it to you at lectureship. Oh, how, how rude. Um, um, <laughs> no, I, I, I would just say um, for those out there, I hate the phrase church shopping, but <laughs> that's that's kind of what it's devolved into. Um, sure. But for people out there looking for a for a community of faith to call home. That's what we'll say. Um, um, if denominational allegiance is anywhere in your top 10 of priorities, throw it out. Um, and that's not me saying, by the way, for the listeners, you know, just pick one. Okay. Like that could be problematic. Yeah. Picking Um, something at random without any due diligence whatsoever is not what we're advocating for. Correct. No, no. And, and this is really a two parter. If, if, if you're already a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, um, it's, it's, uh, do your research, pray, engage in spiritual disciplines that leads you closer to the presence of God and allow the Holy spirit to speak to you about that, which is good and that, which is not. Um, and, and he will lead you to a place that is good and right and holy um, and lead you to where you need to be. But you have to have the eyes to hear and the eyes where the eyes to see and the ears to hear what's going on. And you have to do your own work. You're going to have you're going to have to open your Bible and you're going to have to open your heart to that which is true and that which is not. If you're unchurched. And you're looking for a home. Ask as many questions as you possibly can. Ask and ask and ask. Um, and then, with, to the best of your ability, take the answers you get, match them up against Scripture and who Scripture says the Christ is and what he's called you to, and make the best decision you can. You may get it wrong a few times. That's okay. Um but ask and ask and ask. It matters. And don't be afraid of something that feels a little too difficult. It's, it's all difficult and it's all not. It's okay. So that, that would be 
in my mind. Gotcha. Well, guys, I appreciate it. Uh, as always, if you've got any other questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, send us your videos. We'd love to know what you would want to know about. Um, otherwise, Joshua and I are just going to keep talking about the things that we want to talk about. And so... It, uh, it, it is what it is at that point. But, guys, thank you. Landon, thank you for being on. Joshua, as always, it's a pleasure. Uh, until next time, guys, we'll see you then.